Anthony. Ian Cron. Welcome to this week's Typology Podcast, the show on which we explore the mystery of the human personality and, and the story of you. Through the lens of the Enneagram. Through the lens of the Enneagram, my brother. I am so excited for this week's podcast. Yes, I am too. So one of the things that I love that we get to do mm. is we have what's called the Typology Institute membership. Mm. And for our members, every month, we give them some special things, right? Right. A, a monthly newsletter that is rich with content. We actually have people that comment. They, they, they say one of their favorite things is the newsletter. Yeah. So this is, uh, you know, there's so many newsletters these days. I just want to highlight that this is really chock full of transformational content. Two, we record a secret podcast just for our members. And three, we have what's called a monthly town hall where we get together and talk about the homework we gave our members uh, on the secret podcast. And then we have all kinds of crosstalk. We get to know each other's stories and names and history, uh, types and subtypes. We have a lot of fun on those town halls. Uh, look forward to them every week. And you can be a part of that if you simply go to typologyinstitute.com slash membership. And we want more people to join us. Talk about it, Ian. Yeah, we want people to be part of that incredible community, right? Yes. Where where there's really some intimacy uh, and, uh, you know, relationships that are formed not only between you and I and them, but they with each other, Yeah, which is fantastic. I'm really excited for today's show because what we're doing is replaying one of the secret podcast shows mm -hmm. that only our Typology Institute members had access to. We right. just want folks in general to know, oh, yeah. I, we could have had this. This you is know? available. Yeah. This is available, right? And then after this, we, we spoke on this topic with our town hall folks, right? So we're talking about anxiety this month. So this was the Enneagram and anxiety, right? And of course, you know, we're in a stressful time of year right now. We're into the holidays. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we were talking about how to cope with different types and anxiety, mm -hmm. right? And I also, I'm psyched for, for this show today too, because I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that we are as a culture becoming increasingly attuned to issues of mental health, mm -hmm. you know, which is fantastic. Yeah. And we certainly can't argue that, you know, uh, anxiety is a major source of suffering, oh, Yes. you know, for people out there. And so right. I'm, that's why I'm excited to share this podcast uh, on, on anxiety. All right, without any further ado, here is your weekly podcast replay of our TIM Anxiety Membership Podcast. Hey, Typology Membership. Welcome to the Typology Membership Institute Podcast, exclusive to you all and something I love to do. We are now uh, in mode to talk about anxiety. And uh, one thing I know about anxiety is everybody mm -hmm. uh, understands what it is and uh, everybody experiences it. And I want to talk a little bit about anxiety through the lens of the Enneagram and how each type can kind of really begin to work with anxiety instead of against it. Mm -hmm. 
to work with anxiety instead of against it. I'm in the studio here, the cave in 12 South, Nashville, Tennessee, with my pal Anthony Skinner, and he's going to be part of the conversation. Anthony, you all right? I'm good to go, man. It's good to be with you here. It is, man. It's really good to be here. So um, we're going to talk about anxiety today. Why don't we start with uh, the question, what it is? Um, let's begin there. So the maybe the best way for me to describe anxiety is to say that it's an excessive amount of worrying even when there is no specific threat present Mm. okay or it's a disproportionate uh response to the actual risk Mm. that's at play it's also i think uh like anxiety and worry is really challenging to control Mm-hmm. And it shifts from one topic to another. Like you might be worried about finances and then your worry goes to why is my spouse late home, coming home from work? Are they mm-hmm. okay? And right, then, right. you know, it, so it kind of bounces around. Yes. But it's this vague feeling of apprehension, okay. right? But it's untethered to anything real, mm-hmm. anything, any real threat in the present moment. And the way it can manifest itself is in a couple of ways. One is, it can come off as fatigue, which sort of surprises some people. Uh, for others, it's a restlessness or edginess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I'm anxious, I'm fidgety, mm. you know. Uh, difficulty sleeping. Uh, a big one is impaired concentration, difficulty mm-hmm. concentrating. And here's an interesting one, too. Increased muscle aches or soreness. Oh, Wow. And the reason for that is we clench when we're anxious. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Right? Yeah. And so you get sore arms, a sore jaw, yeah. you know, lower back, whatever. Remember, you know, it's like what Bessa Bandekoch says in his wonderful book, the body keeps the score, mm-hmm. whether it's from trauma, but even anxiety, depression, whatever your mood right. state is or whatever is you're wrestling with, it's registering in the body. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, okay, so now we've talked about what it is. Why don't we talk about uh, your personal experience with anxiety? Can we talk about some of that? Yes. And so I, I would just say that in lots of ways, I'm kind of a, an anxious person. Okay. Okay. And some of that is, has to do with upbringing and mm-hmm. probably some to do a little bit with genetics. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Back when I was, uh, let me see, 27, I, I experienced a very bad depression. Uh, I was getting... I had just gone into a 12-step recovery program around that time. My father had just died from uh, alcoholism and drug addiction. Mm. I had any number of people in my life that uh, were also going into recovery or to treatment, you know, mm-hmm. as well. And it was just, a, I had just gotten married. I mean, just it was just so much going on. And I also had so much unacknowledged and unprocessed trauma from childhood. Wow. And it's just like I hit a wall. Mm-hmm. I hit a wall. And, and... My coping mechanism or my coping strategy, my chemical coping strategy was no longer available, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And, but a feature of the depression that made it hard to diagnose was it was major anxiety. I'm talking about anxiety with panic attacks. Wow. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a panic attack, but it is not, it is scary, especially is when scary. you don't know what it is. Yeah. Right? And I would say that I have... I'm a, I'm a little bit of a worrier, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I can, and this is typical of anxiety. I, it tends to take something that's going on in your life and it just amplifies it and makes it 
bigger mm-hmm. than it actually is, mm-hmm. right? It just, it, you know, it's the old making a mountain out of a molehill. Right. I can make, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, I call it catastrophizing or awfulizing, uh-huh. making something more awful than it is. Yeah. I'll tell you when it hits me um, sometimes is it wakes me up in the night, uh, like at around 2.30. Really? It, it seems to be my witching hour is wow. 2.30. And I wake up and I just begin to worry about stuff in a way that I'm laying there going, this is a little psychotic, you mm-hmm. know, because this is not what's happening, mm-hmm. you know. So anxiety has played, you know, it has played large in my life. Did so you said 27 had you had any therapy before that point no and so mm-hmm. you just hit this major wall mm-hmm. you started having panic attacks didn't know what was going on yeah and i was getting sober and i was and here's yeah. the other thing that's really important i was very very depressed mm-hmm. lots of times people who have lots of anxiety panic episodes get diagnosed as having what's called generalized anxiety disorder okay there are other things that could be though as well it could be ocd Mm-hmm. Right, a lot of anxiety comes with obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm-hmm. It could also be just depression, mm-hmm. like anxiety. We call it, de- you know, major depression with anxiety. Right. And if you don't have a good doctor, a lot of times they'll say, "Oh, you just have anxiety." Right. When actually it's depression mm-hmm. with anxiety is a feature of it. Right. Yeah. So that's why I'm always telling people: if you have a mental illness problem, don't go to your GP. Right. Right. You you need to go to somebody who like this is their game. You know, you yeah. go to a psychiatrist, you don't or a psychopharmacologist. You don't go yeah. to a GP any more than you you don't go to your GP when you need heart surgery either. Right. 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 You need to see a specialist. Yeah. So anyway, that's sort of like a little bit of what what it is. Okay. What about you? Did you have you had experiences where Oh yeah. Um I have. Um I I remember um going into the hospital. This has probably been Oh gosh, 10 years ago or so I had had sort of a traumatic sort of exit from California back to Nashville Mm. and, um, ended up in the hospital thinking, is something wrong with my heart? Like, am I about to have a heart attack? Am I about to die? And, uh, it was just an anxiety attack. Yeah. And, uh, but it can, it can manifest itself in ways Mm -hmm. that, that are very physical and, and can really make you think you're your life is about to be over. Yeah. So that's a very extreme case of anxiety. Yeah. Most people just deal with anxiety, you know, what I would call garden variety anxiety, yeah. Uh, yeah. that kind of is tidal, right? It, it yeah. rolls in, it rolls out, yeah. you know, it may be around certain issues or whatever, but all, all human beings yeah. we wrestle all ex- with anxiety. That's right. Well, that's a good lead into my next question because what I would like to do is go through each of the nine types and talk about what the triggers are for, for those nine. Okay. Well, first to be clear, there are multiple triggers. Yeah. Some are just based on history, regardless of type. Okay. Right. In other words, if you saw someone get hit by a car when you were a little kid, yeah. Um, you may have an anxiety response, uh, you know, when you see a car go by too closely, you know what I regardless mean? Regardless of your type. Regardless of your yeah, type. Right? right. And I just want to talk about maybe one common trigger for each type, but they're not, this is not the only trigger. Sure. Right? There, but this might be one that's common to the type. I think for ones, the improvers, it, it might be around what might be called moral uncertainty. Okay. Right? Talk about that. Well, type ones are very concerned with being good. Mm-hmm. Right? They really want to be good. And their strategy for achieving goodness is by perfecting themselves, others in the world. Right. Right? 
They always want to do the right thing, and they, they want to live a life of integrity. Mm-hmm. Integrity is a big theme for them, which means that they don't like moral grays, mm. right? That makes total they, sense. They don't like grays in most of life. They're black and white thinkers, and so what they, they really want to know what's right mm-hmm. and what's wrong, Okay. right? What's correct mm-hmm. and what's mistaken. Right. Uh, so ambiguous situations can trigger anxiety for them. That makes total sense. Right. And here's why. They're afraid of making the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. And then acting in a way that's inconsistent with their values and their high internal standards mm-hmm. and also might hurt them or others. Wow. Do you see that? Yeah. So that will trigger anxiety. So if they're at a job where they've been asked to do a task, but they don't necessarily have the clarity on how it's supposed to be done or what the success of that task might be, uh, they might be triggered with some anxiety there. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and they, again, on moral issues as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. What's right. What's wrong. Mm-hmm. And if it's a gray zone, it can create anxiety for them. Yeah. Uh, which can sometimes inspire one to make something black and white that actually is gray. Gray. Wow. Okay. Which can also, That's which good. is a, a way of coping with it, but it's not always helpful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. So twos. Yeah. All right. So we all know that one of the big unconscious motivations for two is, is being liked. They want so to be liked. They want to be liked. And so I would say that a major anxiety trigger for them is not being liked. Mm-hmm. Right. So they de- Twos to derive their self-worth from their relationships and from seeing themselves as helpful and indispensable to other people. Okay. Okay. So they want to be liked and then they become anxious when they feel unnoticed Mm -hmm. or unappreciated by someone else whose needs they have invested a lot of time and energy in meeting. Okay. Okay. So... Then, again, remembering that twos are the most interpersonal number on the Enneagram, Mm -hmm. it makes sense then that they also become anxious when there's rupture in relationships. Like I have a friend of mine who's a two, and and she says, you know, if I've got a real or perceived rupture in a relationship, a breakdown in a relationship, it'll keep me up most of the night, and I will get up in the morning, and my first order is, i got to fix this. It's almost slightly panicky. I've got to, this is, you know, this relationship is in trouble and, you know, it spirals into yeah. panic and they, they just, they got to go fix it. And sometimes, by the way, separate topic, they can abandon themselves. Like they can sell the farm oh, wow. in order to repair the relationship. Yeah. Real or perceived. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about threes. Well, threes really derive their self-worth from uh, achieving results and winning the admiration of others. Okay. Right. So... What does that mean? It means they feed on validation. Okay. Okay. And therefore, they become anxious when their accomplishments go unnoticed. So it, not unappreciated, that's uh-huh. a two, but un, unnoticed. Okay. Now, I said unnoticed with twos as well, but it's a different kind of not noticing. It's like not noticed uh, in a way that the other would be impressed. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, they also feel, I think, anxious when the possibility of failure looms. Okay. Right? Like, for example, I have a friend of mine who is a, a three, and he, uh, he turned down a job, a very big job, right? 
and it was a great opportunity, but it was a turnaround. Mm -hmm. And he felt like, you know, there's just too much possibility for failure here. Yeah. Right. I remember it makes me think of, I mean, this has happened several times on our podcast, but we've had threes say they won't even play games uh, uh, with, you know, when they get together with extended family, they won't even play games that they know they can't win. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A lot of threes will do that. Yeah. Um, and so I think um, for threes, the feeling of not being valued mm -hmm. is so big, mm. right? They want to be valued. And these are good things, right? Until sure. they become overly you know, dominant in a person's life. Um, I also know that for threes, something else that can trigger anxiety is when they lack clarity about what constitutes success mm. or when they don't have measurable goals. Like it's unclear yeah. what the end game is here. And, and that can lead them into either malaise or into sort of a very anxious state. Wow. Okay. Um, so that's that's those wonderful threes, you know, and how they and that's again, these are just a few just an example type. Yeah. Uh, giving sort of high level type specific things that might trigger anxiety. There's more that we get. And when we get when we have our town hall, yeah. we'll get into the more. Yeah. OK. Yeah. OK. Uh, uh, type fours. No anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. Well, I mean, listen, where do they get their self-esteem from? And by the way, when I talk about twos, threes, and fours, you're going to hear me use self-esteem and self-worth a lot because I think that's, they, they derive self-worth and self-esteem. That's a big issue for yeah. twos, threes, and fours, looking for self, sources of, of esteem outside themselves. Yeah. They get, it, they get their self-esteem from projecting this very interesting and exceptional image. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I tell you, I, I can get anxious when I feel like, I'm beginning to be perceived as unexceptional, mm -hmm. not successful, yeah, but but exceptional. I at totally something. get that. Yeah. So uh, I think that three, that fours want to be, and I've struggled with this, trying to figure out how to, the language to use to describe what it is that fours want. I think fours, they really want to belong. Mm -hmm. They want to be seen. Mm -hmm. They want to be whole. They perceive themselves as not as being too fractured and lacking wholeness. Yeah, and um, they, you know, like all the rest of us, they they want to be loved, right? Mm. But they rely on projecting a, an image of specialness and uniqueness because they want to be seen as unique and complex, yeah, and mysterious, yeah, and you know, very creative in the eyes of others. Yeah, I love how you differentiate between the why, the motivation, and the strategy. Mm. Because sometimes those can get confused. Yes, they can. And fours become anxious, I think, too, when they feel like there's no larger meaning or purpose in their work or in mm. their personal lives. Mm -hmm. I get that. Man. Yeah, yeah. Like, what does this all mean? Yeah. Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Does it really make a difference? Yeah. It, am I leaving a mark on the world for goodness? And You know what I mean? Yes, like, how right. does my little story fit into the larger narrative of what God is telling in the world? 100%. And so if I'm not sure that my life is meaningful or purposeful, I get anxious, mm -hmm. right? And restless, really restless. Also, fours can be triggered into anxiety when they feel like, they aren't making a unique contribution mm -hmm. like to an organization or mm -hmm. to a, a particular circumstance. And here's a big one, brother. Fours could become real anxious at the first sign of abandonment 
or in a romantic or friendship relationship yeah. or a romantic relationship yeah. or a friendship and yeah. that they are so attuned to that possibility that they <laughs> they will see a threat yeah that's not actually there yeah thinking okay you're going to leave me or yeah. this is going to be a abandonment right, right. it's going to be a re-experiencing of the abandonment i experienced as a child yeah right yeah okay fives god man i think for fives you know these wonderful people rely on knowledge and incompetency self-sufficiency and dampening their emotional and material needs to feel safe in the world mm. remember fives twos threes and fours they're wrestling with issues around self-esteem, mm -hmm. okay, worth and identity. Five, sixes, and sevens are dealing with issues around safety and security. Right. Eight, nines, and ones are dealing with issues around mastery and control. Mm -hmm. Okay. Remind yeah. me to mention that when we get to them. Okay. So, for fives, um, all this like competency, gathering information. Um, dampening emotional and material needs helps them fend off anxiety by being in the know all the time. It's all an effort to feel safe. Right. Yeah. And they do it like through researching uh -huh. and preparing for unseen, uh, unforeseen situations. Not like a six would, right. but like, um, okay, I'm going to be with these many people today. I only have this much energy for that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I have this meeting, I need to be prepared for this and that. They like predictability that way. Yeah. So if an unforeseen situation comes up, it can create a lot of anxiety for them. Like if someone calls on a meeting at the last second, fives yeah. can get real squirrely. Yeah. Right? I wasn't banking on that. I wasn't prepared for that. Right. They don't want to look incompetent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they don't want to be in situations where surprising emotions could come up suddenly and overwhelm them. Yeah. They also don't want to be in situations where they could be... Um, out it is not prepared or in the know. Okay. Okay. Um, so I think that's when, yeah, anxiety levels spike for fives. Okay. Right? Let's go to the loyalist. Well, you know, Six. it's not like anxiety isn't a big thing for this number. <laughs> I mean, this is the number that really it's struggles with anxiety. It is, it is a life theme for yep. sixes. So sixes, I think, feel safe and not anxious when they have a support system like a belief system mm -hmm. or a set of rules to follow mm -hmm. uh, or or traditions to follow mm. that would be another thing and i think they ward off anxiety by forging really strong alliances right looking to institutions and looking to others for advice and support in the absence of these things it the sixes get anxious mm. right they're already kind of buzzing with anxiety anyway. Right. But if you take away any of these sorts of uh, supports, mm -hmm. right? Because you know what? Sixes don't want just safety and security. They want support. Yeah. They also want certainty. Yeah. But they want to know that there's um, a belief system, a pastor, a boss, yeah. uh, a Tony Robbins, or somebody that's yeah. going to give them answers to questions they didn't know they were even supposed to ask. Yes. And it does operate like just a hum with them, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yes. it seems to always be present. I, I just want to tell our listeners, um, our interview with Mike Alexander, yes. who was a type six, that was a really good interview for sixes. You should go back and check that one out if you haven't already heard it. Yes. Also, I think <clears throat> with sixes, they don't like not knowing what's expected of them. In, in particularly in situations where they think something might go wrong. Mm -hmm. That's like when sixes are always questioning you about something. Yeah. And expressing doubt 
you feel like they don't have confidence in you, but actually they're just trying to make sure that what am I supposed to do if something goes wrong? Yeah, right. Yeah, right? Yeah. If they don't know, they can get real anxious. Oh, it's such a game changer to know these things because my son is a six and it's just, it's just helped our relationship so much. And I can appreciate his anxiety. So, uh, all right, let's move to the sevens. Yeah. Well, you know, I think for sevens, it's, it's the fear that they won't be supported. Mm. So for sevens, the threat of deprivation, mm-hmm. experiencing it, stresses them out, right? And what I mean by deprivation is, remember, gluttony is the passion. Yeah. And they just don't want, they, they're always looking for something to fill an emptiness inside. Yeah. And if they feel deprived of those resources mm-hmm. to fill that emptiness inside, they panic. What is the, um, the, the, the picture that you were talking about with oh the, the hungry ghost yeah can you describe that yeah yeah so uh, we talked about with the minimalists yeah yeah so it's Carl Jung's um, sort of archetype it's this creature with a very small mouth mm-hmm. and a super long skinny neck uh-huh. and a big fat belly wow so it it can't possibly get enough stuff into the mouth it's too small yeah and the neck is too skinny yeah so it 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 can't get, it's always in a state of deprivation. Yeah. Right. And no matter how much it puts in there, it won't go down into the emptiness. It's oh, such a great word picture for, for an unhealthy seven, but it gives you empathy, right? Oh, I hope, I hope all the numbers have empathy for the other numbers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they become anxious when they can't find resources to satisfy their desires. Wow. Like I've seen this with sevens, you know, when, you know, it's a Saturday and there's nothing to do. Mm. And there's a little bit, there's anxiety that comes yeah. out. Yeah. It's like, well, what am I going to do? Right. There's nothing on the calendar. Uh, there's, I don't have enough stuff to put in my mouth yeah. to fill up the emptiness. And the fear of boredom, stuckness, what, what if painful feelings? Could, there's just this constant wanting to run from the present moment. Yeah. And the, partly because of the belief that the next moment contains something that this one doesn't, that will be better. <laughs> I'm getting anxious right now thinking about that seven. Yeah, right. They also they also become anxious when other people place limitations on them. Mm. Like, oh, no, you can't do that. And the seven's like, well, what do you mean I can't do that? Right. I need to do that. Yeah. I need to eat that. Yeah. I, I need to go there. I need to do this risky thing. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like there's wow. a... Um, again, it's because they, they're worried from childhood that there will be no one there to help them work through pain should it arise. And what about, I know with my daughter... And you've so helped me with this, but like who, my daughter, who's a seven, when I'm going to have a difficult conversation with her, I am very aware that I say, hey, can, can we just have 10 minutes or 15 yeah. minutes? Yeah, that's true. Uh, difficult conversations yeah. create a lot of anxiety for sevens. Mm-hmm. Like I never tell, I try never to tell a seven in advance that I need to have a hard conversation with them uh-huh. because they will get anxious about it. Yeah, that's good. You know? That's really good. Um, and... Yeah, they can send them into a little bit. It's like, okay, oh, we got bad feelings on the horizon. <laughs> right, right. You know, I would have been better off if you just like, surprised me with them, you know? Yeah. Okay, well, let's go to eights. Yeah, the challengers. I think it's usually around threats to independence and control. Okay. Eights, nines, and ones. Issues around control and mastery. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? You know, all of us need a healthy sense that we can control ourselves, control the other people, and control the environment, meaning that we can affect change, mm-hmm. right? And uh, a baby, a little person needs to know that very early on, mm-hmm. right? You have agency, you have the ability to control 
certain situations and assert yourself, right? right? And right. to make things happen. Yeah. Okay. And that's a good thing to have. Sure. Now, an eight uh, will over control the environment. Ones will over control their inner world, mm. their animal instincts. Yeah. And nines will not know what to do. Yeah. Right. Because they're sort of asleep to this reality, right? Right. Yeah. Right. They actually don't even believe they can uh, assert any control. Uh huh. Uh, over the inner or outer world wow. or make a difference in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think with eights, the, the fear here is of betrayal. It's a, such mm. a big theme in the life of eights. doesn't get enough press. And so when they over rely on someone or accidentally reveal too much of their heart to another mm. person, mm-hmm. it can trigger a lot of anxiety because they start to think like, well, what if that person betrays me? What if I show my heart, reveal my tenderness and my vulnerability and that innocent core? If I show too much of that, you'll see eights frequently get angry at themselves for having kind of revealed too much of themselves in a public setting. Wow. Or to another person. It's like, God, how can I be that stupid? I gave too much away. Yeah. And, and it does. It creates anxiety for them. And obviously, when they're not in control of the environment or other people, they can get anxious. Like, mm-hmm. we just had an interview with this gal, Allie. Yeah. Casaza, fabulous interview with a woman eight. And you could really pick up that theme. Yeah. You know, she said, I want to be in control. That's right. From right? a young age. From a that. young age. Yeah. And that is really a way of, you know, dealing with issues, mm-hmm. you know, that around control and mastery that have to be worked through. Right, right. Right? Yeah. Okay, let's go to nines. Oh, God bless the nines. I think the anxiety usually is around inner or external conflict. Okay. Right? So, you know, nines want to maintain internal and environmental harmony. Mm. Right? In the world or inside and outside. Like like I hear nines all the time say, I just, you know, like on Thanksgiving, it's like, I just don't know why people get worked up about so much. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's not that big a deal. Why can't we all just get along? Right. So they're just very worried. Now, eights don't do that. They're a little bit juiced up Uh that people are, you know, you know, sparking, sparking. Yeah. But the nine is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, everybody, let's get along. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's, it's disturbing their inner world. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they don't, they don't want that. Yeah. Even though sometimes it has to happen. Right. So they try to control their external world to to keep their right. inner world safe and Right. Calm. And so maintaining in, internal and external uh, world, you know, making sure it's peaceful and then m- making sure that their connection with others doesn't get interrupted mm. or they don't want to get disconnected. Okay. So obviously conflict causes anxiety mm-hmm. because it might lead to disconnection yeah. with somebody else. I think they also become anxious when they're, they're pressured to make very quick decisions. Mm-hmm. Nines don't like to make quick decisions. Because they don't always know what they think or they can feel be about ambivalent, something? Or, right. Uh-huh. And they're also worried, well, what, what will this decision mean? If I, make, mm. if I decide to go right, will that disturb my inner yeah. calm more than the other way? Will, will I lose connection? Will I lose connection with Bob because he wanted yeah. me to go left? And right. if I go left, is it going to make, yeah. you know? So then they get stuck. Yeah. You know, they're a little bit like sixes that way. They can get stuck with decision-making for a different reason than sixes because they're just fearful that it's going to lead to uh, disruption in a relationship. Yeah. Uh, And I also think they get um, anxious when their own desires and um, agenda threatens to disrupt relationships. Like it's coming up and they're like, yeah, but I, I, you know, 
Yeah. I'm not sure if I, you know, and that's when they start to narcotize and numb out wow. a lot of the time. Wow. Okay. Well, and you mentioned earlier um, uh, an acronym, RAIN. Yeah. So I got that? this from Tara Brack, the teacher Tara Brack, and I find it very helpful. And, you know, we could talk about, and I'm not, you know, listen, I'm not entirely sure if every type has its own unique, you know, way of dealing with anxiety, right? right? I think right. there are some universal principles true to all people. Maybe when we have the town hall, different types can share their own experience because I am curious. Ooh, I love that idea. Yeah, Let's no, I mean, that. I don't have all the answers. I'm not all the other eight types, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, but RAIN is a great acronym and I use this with all kinds of stuff. Um, it's a little bit like SNAP, but it's got a few differences, all right? So the first R is just to recognize what's happening. Okay. Now, you know, you can recognize when you're anxious, right? Uh-huh. Um, but just like recognizing it is important. It's, uh, it's just like naming it. Mm-hmm. Now, here's that what's... That can be a big part of oh, the process, oh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Here's what's really important about that. Yeah. That I want to encourage people to um, get their hands around. And that is, don't, try not to say to yourself, oh, I'm anxious. Because mm. then you're identifying with the feeling. It's like... No, no, you're not anxious. You're Anthony. Uh-huh. I love that. Right? You should, the better way to say it, and this is from a teacher named Joseph Goldstein, what you really should say is, oh, anxiety is here. Mm. Or anxiety is present right now. Right. Not I'm anxious. Yeah. That's clinging too tightly to it. Right. And then... It's like the tar baby. You're, you kind of, you know, you, you said earlier, you people tend to over-identify with their story of anxiety. And if you, if you name, I am anxious, it's you're kind of almost starting off at a negative. Yes. And just say, no, you know, anxiety is here right now. Yeah. Sadness, you could do with other emotions that are yeah. difficult too. Like sadness is here, right? And sometimes you just say joy is here. And here's one of the reasons why. It's not forever. Mm-hmm. It's only here for... That's right. It's impermanent. Yeah. Right. And, and so if you say I'm anxious, it feels more permanent and, mm-hmm. and monolithic mm-hmm. versus something that's just a temporary mind state. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right. So just recognize so what's good. happening. Second one is allow. Mm-hmm. That's the A. Allow the experience to be there just as it is. Mm. This is so important because people think I got to get rid of this anxiety. Yeah. That's actually the worst thing you can do. Right. Instead, you know, we tend to have two responses to negative feelings like anxiety. We try to push them away. We mm-hmm. argue with them. We try to rationalize with them. Good luck rationalizing with anxiety. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't feel this way. You know, uh, are you worried about finances? I got $50 million in the bank. Why? It's like, no worry. Right. The anxiety doesn't, anxiety doesn't right. care about the facts. That's right. You know what I'm saying? That's good. It, anxiety is like, forget the facts. 